This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello, and thanks for listening to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider visiting my website at josephscrimshaw.com. From there, you can sign up for my fan list, find out about upcoming shows, and look at a picture of me dressed as a squirrel. Plus, you can also buy my book, Comedy of Doom. People are saying things like, Comedy of Doom by Joseph Scrimshaw, a book that will get you laid and prevent you from dying. (laughs) And of course, Comedy of Doom? Jesus Christ! Holy fuck! You can also purchase my comedy album, Verbing the Noun. People are saying things like, Verbing the Noun made me feel strange, but also good. And, Also, I understand that most commercials rely on sex to sell things, so here are some sex noises. Oh, 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 oh my god. Okay, Okay, baby, I'm coming. All right, okay. Get out of my hair! Okay, okay, okay. Hang on, hang on. Oh, fuck, I'm coming. I'm sorry. Thanks again, and enjoy Obsessed. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming to Obsessed, the Doctor Who special. We're recording this live at Convergence, a large science fiction and fantasy convention. I have some wonderful guests and also Tim Wick. (laughs) Tim Wick is a kind man. He's an entertainer. He is many things. Right now he's helping us uh, audio record, so he is not technically on the panel, but the people here watching live can physically see him, so I might acknowledge his existence at some point. (laughs) How do you feel about that, Tim? I can, I can live with that. Sounds good. All right. So we're going to talk uh, today a little bit about Doctor Who, which is an obsession I've had for an extremely long time. And I've been lucky enough to meet a few of the actual doctors in person. And I came very, very close to having an intimate interaction with Matt Smith at the San Diego Comic-Con. Oh. Uh, I was having some drinks uh, in a kind of secluded area. and this was One thing big... led to another. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So uh, I was having drinks, and Matt Smith and Stephen Moffat sat down, and there was no way for me to go to the bathroom without passing by. So I kept walking by the table and picking up snippets of conversation. And I'm not joking, both times that I walked past the table, I just heard Stephen Moffat saying, you know what part of my episode I liked? (laughs) I'm not joking. They were were clearly having a private conversation. (laughs) Stephen Moffat was just saying, you know what was great? So it was it was happy and nice, but then uh, they clearly had were wrapping up. In a fan brought Matt Smith a drink, and he took a sip, and then he clearly didn't want the rest of his drink, so he left. And then we left a little while later, and I I walked past, and I said, "That's that's Matt Smith's beer. I'm gonna go drink it." And my lovely wife said, "No, what the fuck is wrong with you?" So my intimate interaction was thinking about drinking his backwash. (laughs) So with that in mind about my level of obsession, we're going to meet our guests. Uh, First up, we have an actual British man. A man from Britain, but not just any man. He's a novelist, a comics writer, a cricket fan, a writer for Doctor Who books, audios, and the actual television show, Mr. Paul Cornell. Thank you for being here, Paul. Oh, thank you, Joe, for having me on for a second time. I know. So, loud. so great. Uh, following Paul, we have an actual American woman. <laughs> she is a very funny writer and performer and a big fan of the new Doctor Who, Molly Glover. Thank you very much. Um, I am... I am so excited to be here because if there's one word that describes me, it's obsessed. (laughs) Yay! Finally, we have an actual live Texan. (laughs) A man who lives in Texas. He's also a film critic, the screenwriter of the horror film Sinister, and the twisted fantasy novel Dreams and Shadows, C. Robert Cargill. So I just want to make sure that I have it correct. I know that Paul is very, very knowledgeable of both the classic and the new series. Uh, Molly, you are mostly a fan of the new series, is that correct? I have only ever seen the new series and, and post-Eccleston. Okay. You, you haven't even seen Eccleston? Just like uh, here and there, I've caught a little Eccleston. But mostly, <laughs> I've, I've, seen, I've, seen, I've seen all Tennant, I've seen all Matt Smith. Okay. And Cargill, have you seen any Doctor Who ever? I ha- Yes. 
I have not watched any of the new Who. I grew up on Doctor Who and was a huge hardcore fan and uh, was a fan all the way up until Fox was premiering the new series of Doctor Who. And it's like, yes, finally Americans will get Doctor Who without it being on PBS. I can't wait. And then uh, the Doctor Who movie happened and it broke my heart. And so <laughs> when there was a new series announced, I was like, no, it's it's I can't I can't break it's my heart again. It's not like that anymore. No, no, no. You're no, a no, jilted no. lover. <laughs> well, the thing is, is I've heard how great it is, and everyone's talked about it, and I've kept up with it, and I really want to watch it. But then my career took off, and I haven't had any time to sit down and commit to what is uh, ostensibly what eighty hours right now. Well, don't worry, we're going to spoil everything in the new series for you on this panel right now. So. <laughs> well, I, I mean, plenty of it's been spoiled, and that's great. I've been able to follow it that way. But I will eventually. When I get a break here later this year, sit down and I plan on blowing through the series. But I used to go over to my buddy's house when uh, when I was in high school, and we would watch tapes of five, six, seven episodes in a row of, of old Who. So so I know quite a bit about uh, up to the seventh Doctor. Awesome, that looks great. So I have some specific questions for each of you, uh, starting with Paul. Paul, could you briefly describe the plot of Doctor Who? <laughs> it's about um, a a Time Lord, a member of an ancient and powerful race um, who can travel in time, who went on the run from his own people in a stolen TARDIS, which is his time-space vehicle, um, with his granddaughter, and um, hilarity ensued. <laughs> You're done? Yeah. <laughs> It was only hilarity. No drama ensued. <laughs> that, that was a pure Hollywood pitch right there. Hilarity ensues. That means everything else. Anything could happen. Right. Okay. So, Molly, what attracted you to the new Doctor Who? Uh, the, my husband, who I was dating at the time, uh, was very much into it and was complaining that he couldn't watch it on time when he had it available to him because I, I wasn't into it. So I started watching it with him and then I was immediately attracted to David Tennant. Just so, just pure raw, pure raw animal sexuality, and then, uh, and then, you know, clever British writing. I would say was the follow up. How how much space is there between those two motivations? <laughs> not honestly. I mean, hello, Mr. Cornell, but not much. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're sexually attracted to Paul Cornell? I just want to be. You honest. you said that. You said that. I'm just... I did say it out loud. Is it true? Uh, I uh, I'm I'm you know I'm gonna take the you know in America we can take the fifth. So I'm going to take the fifth. I don't know if you're from... Oh, it's the Fifth Amendment? I don't know if you're aware. <laughs> For those listening to the podcast, Paul's eyes have become very wide, and he's looking back and forth like a cartoon character who's about to turn into a puff of smoke. I'm, like, I'm just going to take a drink. I don't understand. <laughs> I just had the host of the podcast pressurize a woman into saying whether or not she fences me. It's extraordinary. <laughs> You've been on the podcast before. You knew what to expect. This isn't really about Doctor Who, Paul. It's about you. <laughs> Okay, but I, I have a question for Cargill. Are you sexually attracted to Doctor Who? Which one? Well, any, uh, they're all the same character, but different you know, facets of the same character. So are you attracted to the character? Or is there one that you would, you would like to have a more intimate relationship with? Well, Tom Baker. Yeah. I mean, come on. Tell me there isn't a guy in the room that wouldn't, uh, you know, get a chance to talk about Absolutely. I mean, I'm super pro Tom Baker. I see Baker, a lot of nods. I think, uh, yeah, I think he would probably be the most intense lover. <laughs> well, and, and you've got the scarf to clean up with. <laughs> and eating a jelly baby would probably abort a fetus. They're that bad. That's a very cruel shape for that medication, isn't it? <laughs> oh, that was so witty and charming. That's why Molly loves you. Now, is this what the panel's about? Are I was gonna... about to come on to you, and then I stopped because I thought it was clear, and you filled in the rest for me. <laughs> I, 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 I imagine certain words said in a Tom Baker accent, and it kind of puts me. Oh. <laughs> I also met Tom Baker at a signing uh, in London, and he was doing his normal sort of big-eyed stare for every pose with every photo. But then uh, my wife, Sarah, took a photo with him, and he just is, in the photo, is just leering at her. <laughs> it's like, that's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. My child of the hero, leering at my wife's breath. <laughs> I have... Well, that's the panel, too. <laughs> I have had a, a disturbingly intimate encounter with an actor who played Doctor Who. 
Oh, tell us about that. Well, um, I was a convention organiser back in the day, and um, John Pertwee summoned me to his room one evening in a hotel <laughs> to, to negotiate with me about his fee for the convention. And he met me in a really short little oriental dressing gown <laughs> that went up to halfway up the knee, up, 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 the, up the thigh. And he sat there on his bed, doing a basic instinct at me, um, <laughs> negotiating for his fee. And I was like, yes, 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 we can certainly do that. We can give you all that extra money. Bye! <laughs> now, I... That's old-school Russian negotiation. <laughs> you couldn't take your eyes off and you gave him everything he asked for. Now, I, I don't think that, um, that John Pertwee had any sexuality other than hetero, but I do think he was a very good negotiator. <laughs> so let me ask, is the myth of a large nose relating to a large penis true? <laughs> I didn't quite get to see the... Um, you know, the, the sonic screwdriver. <laughs> you just saw the threat of what, what could happen down that road. Excellent. Uh, so, Paul, here's kind of a general question inspired by the show. If you knew that you could regenerate, would you live your life differently? Well, perhaps more excitingly. I mean, I, 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 I do wonder about the time lords that stay at home, like Lord President Barusa. Every time the Doctor goes back, to Gallifrey in the Fifth Doctor era, um, he meets a different actor playing Barusa. So this very staid society with a president at the top, what was, has he got a motorcycle? <laughs> I think they just have a lot of stairs and always wear those robes. <laughs> and just go tumbling down. So what kind of risks would you take if you knew, like, fuck it, I'm, you know, I'm going to pull a stunt and I'm going to regenerate at Convergence and people will just love it. What would you do? What well, crazy thing would you do that my, might cause you to... My wife might not love it. You know, I'd, be, I'd have an entirely different character and body. I'm, 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 well, yeah, I know. I'm asking you to imagine. You're a waiter. <laughs> Dream a little. <laughs> can, can I feel can I this one? Oh, sure, yeah. Tell me what Paul would do if he could regenerate. I, he wouldn't wait for the elevators anymore here at the con. <laughs> he just jump? <laughs> regenerate. It's, like, it's a lot faster and a lot less painful. That'd be great, yeah. And you could even just have a tip jar down there and people could be really impressed. You land well, get an extra fee. You only, you only get 12 goes, but actually it's probably worth it for a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> so you would use your ability to regenerate mostly to, for the ease of transportation. <laughs> Uh, that that yeah, pretty much. That and actually living down in Texas, uh, it would it would I I could go to certain towns after sundown. <laughs> <laughs> so Molly, what would you do if you could regenerate? I think I would eat a lot more and uh, and move a lot less, and then and then and then I would eat, you would just regenerate into a better body, so I wouldn't have to worry about heart disease or double heart disease. So that's the, case, the exciting maybe. thing you would do is sit and eat until you die. <laughs> I really really love to eat. I don't think you guys understand. I don't know. Have you, have you eaten food? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really good. But it's just a really gross picture in my mind of just this incredibly large human being. And you burp and the regeneration energy starts to come yeah. out of your mouth. Yeah, the, the, the Domino's delivery driver knocks four times. <laughs> That's a new hoozing. There you go. That's me a TARDIS. <laughs> I, I, I await end-of-season cliffhangers for both of you, <laughs> Just one very thin jelly baby. Will she have fries with that? <laughs> yeah, well, th I'm really glad that you guys can't regenerate. <laughs> so we don't have to watch you commit suicide slowly and quickly. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, Molly. Yes. This is kind of a sensitive question about the new Who series. Okay. Uh, you've mentioned that you admire uh, David Tennant and his both his sexual presence and his <laughs> emotional reality. Yeah. How often should the Doctor as a character cry? Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> well, it depends. See, the problem with the Tenth Doctor is that he cried a lot because of Rose, and I hate Rose. <laughs> I just I just hate her. She's a waste of space, and she just... I was just, oh, oh I love you. Oh, I don't know. I just it didn't... I think he should cry less if it's regarding any... Uh, any... any I don't know, over-emotional, hypersensitive woman. 
Uh, not that all women are over emotional. Just stop writing your letters right now. But um, just I think that he could he could cry less, and Matt Smith could cry more if that uh, if that balances you, it out. So you want to see more Matt Smith tears? What I would like, you like him to cry about? I want him to cry in anger. I want uh, I want like I want like like toddler tears, like frustrated, angry crying. I really hope to see David Tennant and Matt Smith have a cry off. In right? the anniversary. See, like I have this I have this image of them both being of, of like so the doctor being super oversensitive about an issue. And and it coming up and it just being so frustrating and they just like it's just they oh, it's just been a really long life i'm just trying to like why are you calling me the, the warrior i'm trying to help like they, they misunderstand like it's just <laughs> excellent so is somebody who is exposed to new who um uh, mainly through david tennant um mm -hmm. I, I think i being a, a fan of the classic series I, I thought David Tennant was a great actor, and he he brought a lot of new people in. I didn't like how kind of uh, hip and with it in terms of Earth culture he was. Mm. Like, to me, the Doctor should not know the lyrics to Ghostbusters. <laughs> and I really like that Matt Smith brought back a sense of being alien and not intuitively knowing all Earth culture. As somebody who came in on the Matt Smith era... Did any of that phase you, or was it just like that's who Doctor Who is? No, he knows I, Ghostbusters. No, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, to, to some degree, I obviously, and I, I, my husband is a huge, you know, uh, classic Who fan. Grew up on it, and I also know a lot of nerds. Go weird, right? But um, so I mean, I, I knew a lot about it. I just hadn't seen it. But I, I didn't think that it was off-putting with Tenet. But I do like what Matt Smith brought, and honestly, I, I liked the, I like the alien idea of it. That's something that I've always thought was really good. So I, it didn't, it wasn't off-putting, and it didn't bother me with Tenet. But I do think that I agree with you that Matt Smith brought more of a um, an outsider perspective to it that that wasn't there with Tenet and that's maybe that's part of why I didn't like him with Rose uh, again it's like I mean you're gonna he's an alien you're gonna love it it's, it's I don't know it's that whole Twilight like he's undead you're gonna love a different like being it's a love a human being I don't know I, I, I thought it was good though cool cool yeah so uh, Cargill I have a question for you if you could travel in time uh, where would you go uh, there is a meeting that happened in the late 70s in Los Angeles uh, that I would love to attend. It was a, they, a bunch of producers got together and they said, we have the rights to make Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. <laughs> and someone in the room said, we get the Beatles? Well, no, 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 the Beatles won't do it. So we got the BGs. <laughs> but wait, there are only three BGs. That's why we got Peter Frampton. <laughs> and I want to see that, that I want to be in that room and hear how the hell that movie happened. <laughs> because of any movie I've ever seen in my life, I cannot fathom how that movie got made. I, I think wish. John Pertwee was in the room. <laughs> He's like, we got the BGs. <laughs> Okay, okay, oh, that we'll, is whatever horrible. you want. We'll give you Aerosmith. Yes, George Burns can sing too. Yes, whatever. He For the listening him. audience, Cargill just demonstrated moving his robe away yeah. and saying, we have the Bee Gees. Yes. I call the left one Robin. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was imagining that Bee Gees was some sort of visible disease. Like, I'm sorry, I caught the Bee Gees. <laughs> Doctor, I got a bad case of the Bee Gees. <laughs> okay, so uh, Paul, where would you where would you travel? I'm, I'm amazed he doesn't want to to use his power of time travel to actually alter history of that case and make that a better movie. But... <laughs> oh, oh, I love that it exists. I just want to know how. <laughs> well, uh, Paul, where would you go? Um, I I like the court of um, uh, King Edward the Confessor with them, his wife, the most beautiful woman in England, Edith Swanack. Um, the young gay king and his beautiful wife who spend decades keeping Britain from being invaded by wandering around like the thin man and his wife um, <laughs> being just generally groovy and fun. And would you just hang out or would you try to alter history in any way? Um, I, I might try and keep that all going instead of all this Norman nonsense. <laughs> um, you, you want to bang the wife, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's only 1066, so... Um, it's kind of, it's really far too soon to decide, you know, what the outcome of all that was. Yeah. Okay, so Molly, if you could specifically oh, sorry, go... I said that in America. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, if you could go somewhere specifically to fuck up an event, oh, what event would you fuck up? Um, I, 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 would, 
I would be really interested to see if I could uh, just fuck up Stephen King writing Cujo because it was terrible. <laughs> and I, I love him so much. And Cujo just, anytime I say I like Stephen King, someone inevitably says, yeah, did you like Cujo? So I would love to be able to say he never wrote that and that never existed. Oh, and, so you're going to go and take away all his coke. Yes, basically. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, not take away, but maybe just like take away the typewriter for a little while or, or uh, lock him in a room with no coke. Just for a couple days, just so Cujo couldn't exist. Well, that's a see. That's what I was looking for. Is this fascinating range yeah. of instant responses? <laughs> of I would observe a horror happening. Is what Cargill <laughs> said. I would simply observe. Paul is going to observe something uh, wonderful that he admires, <laughs> and Molly is going to steal a coked-up man's typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of that's. That's, you know, hilarity ensues. That's what happens on Doctor Who. That's what we call Wednesdays in Texas. <laughs> okay, the shape of your season is just extraordinary. I mean, it is. So, uh, Paul, if you had a costume like the Doctor, what would you wear? Because he's kind of got this thing where he kind of has to have basically the same costume on, like he's a cartoon character. So if you had that, too, where you always had to wear basically the same thing in all aspects of life, what would you wear? I'm... I'm, I'm not a waistcoat, or as you call them, a vest. I, I, there's something really awful about Doctor Who always wearing waistcoats. Um, I'd like a fob watch. I think that's rather nice. Yeah, a fob watch is yeah. lovely. So would that just be an affectation? Or would it work? <laughs> yes, it's an affectation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got the, the time on my phone. I can look up and see a clock. I don't need to take pull something out on the chain, open a special door, and go, oh, yes, that's the time. I, I forget why I wanted to know. <laughs> You could use your time travel abilities to skip forward to when you actually have the fucking fob watch out. So why why do you have a hate on for waistcoats or vests? Oh, because I grew up in Doctor Who fandom, and every single convention it was waistcoat after waistcoat. Yeah, and waistcoats or vests are not necessarily complementary to the uh, male geek form, which can tend to having a little bit of paunch. They're, they're like the male version of a corset. <laughs> Except for they don't actually really, yes. <laughs> they're like in a no yeah no I'm, uh, there are many pictures going through my head <laughs> and I'm gonna let it go and, and you're supposed to leave the bottom button of a waistcoat undone so the British have actually invented a garment that you're not actually supposed to button up all the way despite the fact that there is a fully functioning button button <laughs> honestly sometimes we're just being cruel to the world <laughs> Well, let me ask if you've ever heard this phrase. I got fitted for a suit a little while ago at like a nice fancy place in the Twin Cities and the woman grabbed my stomach and said, I need to see what your level of success is. I said, what the fuck are you talking about? Wait, and that's their polite term for how much gut a guy has. <laughs> so that rich people feel really complimented when they need, you know, something to be let out because they have a lot of success. Well, I'm, I'm getting more successful as I get older. <laughs> Molly would become successful until she regenerates. I just That's want to plan. regenerate. That's so successful. So, okay, so, Paul, follow up. If you had to have a vegetable or a fruit of some kind on your lapel, like Peter Davison, oh. what, would you, uh, what would you have? <laughs> a mango. <laughs> and everybody who met me would ask, rather like they should have asked Peter Davison, why the hell have you got a vegetable on your lapel? I, I, and I think your catchphrase would be, I wear a mango and have a fob watch now. <laughs> Mangoes and fob watches aren't cool, but I do wear them. Okay, so Molly, what kind of companions would you like to see on the new series? And let, let me clarify this a little bit, in that I think that the classic series had a little bit more elbow room to be just like, eh, maybe it'll be a robot that we never see, or maybe it'll sure. be an old person, or whatever. Sure. And we, we seem kind of locked in that we need the London perspective of a young woman, and sometimes a young man. Yes. Well, I, I, we, we've recently seen that we can have two companions at once, and I think that's a, I like that trend, and I think that we should go Beastmaster style and do ferrets. <laughs> Yeah, I, w I would love to see two ferrets. I want to. Yeah, yeah. I think they should both be in waistcoats, and I think that. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, only one should speak English, and the other one, the other one doesn't talk. Right. The other one carries around a mango. Yes, yes. 
And would they both be sexually attracted to the doctor? Uh, no, but they would, they would be sexually attracted to each other, and you would see evidence of that constantly. <laughs> So what, would these, what would these horny ferrets, what would their name be? Like the pawns, we're used to the pawns. What would yeah, their married yeah. name be? I think the first one should be Russell. And uh, I think the other, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, um, Bernadette. <laughs> and what's their last name? So it's Russell and Bernadette. Russell and Bernadette Squiggle. Yours is the worst regeneration ever. <laughs> yeah. I, I, want, I want fans who are born now later to be like, oh my God, did you see Molly Glover's Who? I just, yeah, just I know this no is, one yeah, watches it. This is coming together to paint a beautiful picture. We have yeah. Paul Cornell as the doctor <laughs> with his mango lapel and his fob yeah. watch and his t-shirt that says, I hate waistcoats. Yeah. <laughs> And his ferrets have waistcoats despite yeah. that, that hatred yeah. for them. Or his companions are ferrets who are constantly engaging in sexual intercourse. Cargill, you're going to complete this picture. Their TARDIS uh, has a different chameleon circuit image that it has frozen on. So what does their TARDIS look like instead of a police box? A glory hole. <laughs> So their TARDIS is just it's, a wall with a it's hole in it. bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Is there an arrow just pointing to the hole? And it's true. When you enter, you are taking a big risk. With the doctor, there is also horror and monsters. It'll limit my ability to intervene in history in a very awful way. But there's certain places where it will really get you in. The angels have the glory hole. It, it certainly changes the phrase companion. Okay. So while we're creating this whole picture, uh, here's, a new, here's a new picture for you guys. A lot of TV shows of late uh, have done the convention episode, especially like mystery or procedural shows where they're investigating like a murder in the furry community or at a convention. So what would an episode of Doctor Who set at a convention be like? I think that Doctor Who should go to a community convention. <laughs> and that they should interact with bit really bad versions of all the community characters. Well, that would be awesome. It's just sort of a riff on the Inspector Spacetime that community exactly thing. exactly what that was. Excellent. Uh, cosplay would really freak the Doctor out. Can you imagine? He steps out of the TARDIS and there's an enormous collection of all his most dangerous enemies. <laughs> And really Most fat, of them. And fatter versions of himself. <laughs> and little pink girl Daleks in cute little dresses everywhere. Would you like a ribbon? <laughs> that, that, that to him is like having little Nazi stormtroopers running about. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, you guys, I would like to give you a lightning quiz. So just please try to answer these questions. Uh, it's, it's electricity that comes from clouds. Exactly, yes. But with questioning clouds. They have questions they want answered. And uh, I, will, I will judge and we'll see who is the winner. Paul, could you imitate the sound of the TARDIS taking off? Like I said, glory hole. <laughs> That was exactly the sound of Darth Vader enjoying a glory hole. Enjoy watching Doctor Who from now on, guys. Okay, Molly. Yes. Ninth Doctor, Tenth Doctor, Eleventh Doctor, fuck, marry, cuddle. Oh, oh, all right. Um, Not kill, cuddle. All right, uh, tenth Doctor, fuck. Eleventh uh, Doctor, marry. Ninth Doctor, cuddle, because I don't fuck war victims. <laughs> he's like fucked up from the war. Like he's. I mean, you've you never seen like, these episodes, have you? I have seen some of them. I, I know a little bit about it. I okay. mean, I, I, I am on the internet. <laughs> okay. Well, if I, if I took cuddle out and replaced it with kill, would you mm. kill the ninth Doctor just because you had to? When I kill him because I had to. If would I had you kill to kill a war victim. If, okay, if I had to kill a doctor, I guess I would kill the tenth doctor when he's crying about Rose because, like, I mean, might as well at that point. Like, he's he's probably praying for it, right? So I just I'll just take him out there. If you killed the ninth doctor, you'd just get the ten. Oh, that's a good point. Hmm. Well, now this is a sticky wicket. That's, that's what you say, right? That's what you guys say. All the time, my glory holes. Yes. <laughs> I forgot to award points. I'm going to give uh, uh, Paul Cornor 
10 points for that uh, Darth Vader taking off glory hole <laughs> a wonderful noise and Molly I'm going to give you 5 points for bumming people out about war victims <laughs> yeah I'm sorry it happens go, it happens uh, Cargill uh, we all know that the TARDIS stands for time and relative dimensions in space but what other things could TARDIS be an acronym for <laughs> no GH <laughs> I have no idea. None. Okay. Does anybody else want to buzz in? Um, uh, I'm going to say a terrible, awful, really demented, insane sexuality. <laughs> I think the word you were looking for was scrimshaw. Yay! <laughs> if you wanted a pander, God. <laughs> Uh, Molly did that for Cargill, so I'm going to give Cargill 15 points. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Paul, who is my favorite doctor? Patrick Troughton, obviously. Oh, it's, 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 it's. I would have accepted the second, the fourth, uh, the seventh, or the eleventh. I like, I like all of those. <laughs> but I do. I love the second. I also got to meet the second doctor when I was quite uh, young. They, there was a two doctors tour that came through the cities, and uh, we waited in line forever because it was a class system. My brother and I were not actually members of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society, so we had to wait to go last in line, uh, and Colin Baker and uh, Patrick Troughton were exhausted in shoving fish sandwiches from Burger King in their mouths. <laughs> And that's what I just remembered. <laughs> I just remember, like, it's my heroes. They're eating at Burger King. <laughs> I prefer McDonald's, but I still like them. Uh, so that, yeah, that was incredibly correct. So I'm going to give that 25 points. Uh, Molly, yes. who would win in a fight? Cybermen, Ice Warriors, or my mom? Ooh. Well, I, I think I think your mom is outside the weight class of the the Cybermen or the Ice Warriors. <laughs> Uh, but I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna say Cybermen because nothing stops them. They just they are they don't have uh, I mean Icemen they can melt eventually. I mean there's there's a whole situation there that could happen. I'm gonna go with Cybermen. They are the scarier ones to me. So okay, so you yeah. think Cybermen would beat up my mom? I think Cyber. Well, I, I mean I think your mom Cybermen would beat up your mom, of course, because I mean your mom. I bet your mom's a kind lady. She's that, a war victim. She, I don't know if that. She's a war that. victim. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I mean that's. Well, that, no, well, then that's out. But I mean, she, so she, I think that she probably would be, she'd be trying to help them and that they take advantage of that Cyberman. Like they, they don't have any, um, they have no conscience, they have no kindness. Yeah. So they would, they would just, they would just ruin her. And okay. uh, yeah, I think they'd win. I think that's a really good answer. So I'm going to give another 15 points to Cargill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> Cargill, who should be the next actor to play Doctor Who? Uh, you know, actually, uh, I would love to see, um, uh, uh, now I'm going to completely blank on her name. Um, Rose. No, no, no. Oh, God. <laughs> actually, the person that I want, and I know it's, it's, it's total dream nerd casting, but uh, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm having a total brain fart. She was an Excalibur. And, uh, Mirren. Helen Mirren. Oh, I Helen Mirren. I want to see Helen Mirren as the next doctor. I, I that see, would be awesome. I want to see a, a, a classy woman doctor who just is smarter and more badass than everyone, and no one questions it. Can I change my answer for which doctor I'd fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. <laughs> so, Patrick Troughton, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, uh, by applause in the audience, who would be interested in seeing a female Doctor Who? Excellent. Wonderful. Cargo gets another 10 points. <laughs> I'm writing down numbers, they mean nothing. Uh, Paul, uh, you're having a mental battle with a Doctor Who villain, and this battle is being demonstrated for the audience's benefit by some sort of game or combat that can actually be shown what form of combat is it for you? Does that question make sense? Yeah, um, dance, dance, revolution. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, oh my god, would approach you and say, "Our minds locked in battle," uh, and then just techno music would start. There's a, someone made that movie. It's called I, the FQ. I need to see it. What is? It is a post-apocalyptic movie in which battles are settled between gangs by dance, dance, revolution. And is it all in their minds? Oh no. Oh. Although winning Dance Dance Revolution 
is all in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mental game, indeed. Well, I want to ask everybody that. Molly, if you were having a, a mental battle that could only be depicted by some other physical conflict, what would yours conflict be? Bake Off. <laughs> yeah, and and, and I want a slow, boring battle. Yes, yeah, and I want it to be something like souffle, so that there's like there's an element of danger. <laughs> and and we'll, who will open the oven too soon? <laughs> souffle, the most dangerous egg yes, dish. Yeah. In the so you see, Doctor, my souffle is higher than yours. <laughs> that would be very dramatic as you watch the souffles rise and fall and rise. Chocolate, and fall. a bold choice. <laughs> so Cargill, same question. You're having a mental battle. How is it depicted? You know what? It's me, it's him, it's a table, it's two shot glasses and a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> nice. So you would be trying to like drink the master under the table. That is exactly it. The Raiders first person the to pass out is the weaker doctor. Excellent. Okay, you all, all right, get right. 10 points for that because you all answered very, very well. Okay, so uh, Paul, this one is a word problem. So brace yourself. If the 11th Doctor, Amy, and Rory encountered a weeping angel on a spaceship and they all ran away down a separate hallway and the spaceship was traveling at the speed of sound and each of the hallways bent at exactly 90 degrees and the Doctor, Amy, and Rory were all running at a maximum speed of four miles an hour, then what is my favorite episode of classic Doctor Who? <laughs> Oh, he's sizing me up like a piece uh, of meat. It's awesome. Tomb of the Cybermen. Oh, that, that's very... Tomb of the Cybermen is very, very high. Uh, but if I had to pick just one, I would go with Pyramids of Mars. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, Jesus. Really? Have you, right. have you watched it lately? By lately, I mean as an adult. Yes! <laughs> it's wonderful! But my favorite Star Wars is the first one, the one with Jar Jar. <laughs> Did you just equate? <laughs> Pyramids of Mars with the Phantom Menace? Okay, here are the many wonderful things about Pyramids of Mars. It's a great introduction to classic Doctor Who. If people haven't watched it, there's great chemistry. There are nice little moments of just electric chemistry between Sarah Jane and the Doctor. Sarah Jane is badass. She saves the universe by shooting something. That's great to see a nice, powerful moment. And how could you want a better villain than Sutek? He's like mentally powerful. He challenges the Doctor in this mental way. It's their high stakes where the Doctor is very scared. And how is there a better threat than I bring you the gift of death? I mean, that's just, uh, that, I mean, it's just watching it. It's like watching, like, it's like watching your in-laws. You just, there's this power of, at, I bring you death. At the and everyone the, knows that fear. At the end of the day, I just wanted to see that bane on your head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give myself 15 points <laughs> for being right. So, uh... I, I can't get into entire dialogue with the audience because you don't have time, but if you can, just in key words, key emotional words, shout out why you don't like Pyramids of Mars. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Kicks ass. Effects. Pirate Planet. Pirate Planet. <laughs> okay, now we're getting... So I got... You know, you know the device... Michael Sheer! <laughs> <laughs> That was from the lovely Tim Wade. You know the device that keeps this all-powerful Egyptian god imprisoned on Mars in his pyramid is that game from Children's Annuals where two people, one of whom is telling the truth and one of whom is not telling the truth, and he doesn't manage to escape in several centuries. <laughs> I'm not saying that Sutek's super smart. But he is scary. I mean, that's why he can't come up with a better line than I bring you the gift of death. <laughs> Just because he's being a little too direct there, probably. All right, so, uh, well, actually, let's go down the line. What is your favorite uh, classic episode, Paul? Oh, I, I think The Mind Robber. Oh, interesting. How many people are familiar with The Mind Robber by applause? <laughs> My wife calls that the weird one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I really like Kinder, too. Yes, that's lovely. Uh, Molly, you haven't seen any, so you don't No, know. I have not. What is your favorite picture on the cover of a DVD of Classic Doctor <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of the Tom Baker scarf. I knitted one for my husband, so anytime there is uh, a picture of him wearing it, I, I guess that's what I would go for. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> and Cargill, do you have a favorite? Yeah, I, I'm a, uh, it, it's, I don't know if it's a good answer or not, but I, I, I've always been madly in love with the five doctors. Wow. Um, I, I really like that episode. I think it's, I, it's just there's something 
geeky and nerdy about the almost fan fiction quality of putting all the doctors together and then Tom Baker saying uh, he didn't want to show up and so he's just waving around on the screen. And, but, but I love the idea of the, because the, I, the fifth doctor is actually my favorite doctor. Uh, I love Peter Davison. I love the idea of the failed regeneration and him carrying on these qualities of all these other doctors, and then watching the experience of him actually meet these all, these other versions of himself, and then watching everyone work together to to, to solve the crisis. Uh, that just that pushes all my nerd buttons. Cool. Yeah, I, I really like the the five doctors. It does have that sort of TV movie feel, which is really weird. And they also introduce I can't remember what's the name of the android that is the Russell Moria robot. Yes, that is. Has the very very weird effect. It is way more powerful than the Cybermen. There's just that scene where it's just basically kind of cyber torture porn. Is a robot that's illustrated by just a guy in silver tights jumping into the air, disappearing, and destroying Cybermen. That's a little upsetting. So go watch that. <laughs> that will clear out all the glory hole images in your mind. You'll be safe to watch Doctor Who again. So uh, Molly. Yes. Can you describe River Song's entire plot in linear order? <laughs> uh, well, she was a doctor in a Chicago hospital, I think, for a while. No. Um, no, so, uh, so, yeah, so, um, okay, let's see. So, uh, so she, boy, so she's backwards, and so she... <laughs> Jesus Christ. So she's in a library, and she marries... The dot. I can't. I really can't. Honest to God. I. I. Uh, this. The last one with uh, the the funeral planet that he wasn't supposed to go to. That I can't remember the name of it right now. Uh, was was. Uh, it, it pretty much. It. I liked her up until that last episode. I did not. I did not like that episode. I thought that they really kind of uh, tamed her down. So I guess it's. Um. She marries the doctor. And then she meets the doctor, and then he meets her, and then they have. She is his. She's Amy's daughter. That's that's what I remember. That's what I got from the the timeline. Uh, and and I uh, now I feel put on the spot because I cannot remember at all uh, the the actual linear events. Is there? No, no. It's 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 incredibly <laughs> difficult, and I would be an asshole. That's the point. No. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I, I, I've asked people this question a couple times at panels I've been doing at other conventions about Doctor Who, and there was one time where one guy was like, oh, well, yes, I can. Uh, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> and he went on for, like, the majority of the panel and got it all right of, like, the I, I don't know them because it's, yeah, it's ridiculously no, no, twisted. You do realize that that guy sat up at night going, you know, someday someone's going to ask me. I was going to say. I'll, on that day, I will prove to the world that I'm smarter than them. And do you know what he won? A DVD of the Pyramids of Mars. <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's what he got. I just so uh, he brought him death. I, just, I just gave him the gift of a boring episode, I guess. I just shake my curls and go, spoilers, sweetie, and then that, that's the whole plot. Basically, that's her whole that's her entire plot. I really <laughs> like that. that you, you had a very nice voice. It was, it was sort of like River Song if she was on AbFab. <laughs> Oh my God! Can we make that show? Cargill, pitch that show. <laughs> I'm pitching that show already. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, uh, Cargill, uh, the Doctor has a sonic screwdriver. What sonic tool would you like to have? <laughs> For your glory hole targets. <laughs> well, I guess if I, if we're gonna stick with that joke, I need a sonic saw so I can, you know, make the holes bigger. <laughs> Really? No. <laughs> a, a sonic I, no, saw I, is I, extra dumb. No, I would, I would go the, I would go the full Texas route. I'd, I'd go for the sonic sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> I can fix this problem and take it on down. So your, your sonic tool would not uh, analyze the environment. It would just. Hit people from afar. No, no, no. It would analyze the environment and figure out exactly how much force was needed to whack the shit out. <laughs> so every problem would just be, you'd, you'd meet an alien and be like, let me figure out how hard to hit this alien. No, I'm, I'm telling you, in, in, in my regeneration, the Cybermen would be like, Dude, no, he's got a hand. <laughs> and it's like, dude, the doctor's gonna let's just wait for him to die and regenerate again, and then we don't have to deal with the fucking hammer anymore. Would he like, still be like a pacifist and say, like, I don't kill, but I will whack you with oh a no, hammer? No, this is the Texan regeneration. <laughs> when you have it's a always self-defense, even when it isn't. <laughs> when you have a sonic sledgehammer, every alien looks like a nail. <laughs> That's right. 
Excellent. Okay, so uh, I haven't scored points for the last couple uh, <laughs> questions, so I'm going to give 35 points to Tim Wick. Yeah! <laughs> so uh, I just pulled my long calculator, which is on a chain, out of my pocket. <laughs> and 15 minutes later, I'll be able to get the math points all added up. But I think that you guys are about even in this quiz, so you're going to need to tie it up, because I'm going to ask you guys all to do the same thing. It's going to be a little one-act play that each of you will perform. It's very easy. So first, I would like you to pretend that you are a companion, any companion you would like. Call out for the doctor as though you're in trouble. Scream as the companion, and then you would take on the role of the villain that is tormenting the companion, and you will laugh maniacally. So again, you will call for the doctor, you will scream, then you will laugh maniacally. Because these, I think, are the three most common sounds on the program. Uh, let's just, to give Paul a break, let's start with Cargill. Doctor. Ah. <laughs> I really like that by the end it sounded like maybe a commercial for monster trucks. Oh, 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 come on down. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> we got canine in chains. We got canine on fire. We got canine in the melt up pit. It was the redneck cyber. Yes. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Okay, so Molly, uh, as a companion, call out for the doctor, scream for help as though your life depended on it, and then switch roles and portray whatever villain you'd like, laughing maniacally. All right, all right. <laughs> doctor! <laughs> I'm trapped! <laughs> I, I, where are you? <laughs> doctor! <laughs> 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 the doctor! <laughs> Rose is trapped! Ha-ha! <laughs> Clearly, the doctor is fighting some sort of 8-bit villain. <laughs> oh, that was hateful and awesome. I love it. Uh, Paul. Doctor, I appear to have twisted my ankle, fleeing from Father Christmas. Oh! <laughs> ho, ho, ho. That was, that was wonderful, but you did cheat us out of a scream. Oh, my voice, my voice. Have you known you... the number of panels I've done this weekend? Wait a bit, could you just... I'll do it with you, because I've been on a lot of panels, too. Can so you just... want us to scream together? In a very... A little falsetto way that will protect our voices. Let's scream for help as though we oh, are losing our before. voices. Doctor, command you, quick, to the glory hall. <laughs> are you ready? I'll do it with you. Okay. One, two, three. Oh! We were holding hands on the world's smallest roller coaster. It sounded like Rose was in trouble yet again. Ooh, oh, no. Very nice. I'm falling through the glory hole. Oh, this hole's between us, Doctor. I think just out of sheer hatred, Molly Glover has won. Once again, my hate wins me face. Powerful, powerful hatred. So uh, I'd like you guys, uh, to, if you have any final words about Doctor Who, sort of the spirit of it, of why why it continues to be important. We'll start with you, Cargill. Well, I, I think one of the great things about Doctor Who is just that it's it's been so broad for so long that it allows uh, to tell a whole range of different stories, whether it be horror, science fiction, fantasy, and kind of blend it all together and allows fandom to kind of enjoy this nice sampling of different things without keeping what happens in most genre is keeping it segregated and saying, well, horror doesn't belong in fantasy or horror right. doesn't belong in sci-fi. It all goes together and the Doctor is kind of that great unifying point. Cool. So Molly, beyond uh, sexual attraction and <laughs> cute British accents and witty British writing, what I actually love about it is that everyone who, who appreciates it and loves it has an emotional connection. And you can tell because if someone says that they hated something that you loved, your immediate reaction is, oh, like you just, and people get so mad. And, and I think that that's, it, it, it speaks to everyone, but in a different way. And, and I love that because there's very few things in this world that can everyone can feel that they have a connection to and it's not the same connection. 
Excellent. And Paul? Well, for me, above all, it's the show where might never makes right. Mm. Where one, um, <coughs> one nerdy intellectual guy can take on the monsters and win. And um, I think that's a tremendous thing for children watching. Yeah. I think it's incredibly powerful. Um, so, final questions. Uh, these don't necessarily have anything to do with Doctor Who. This is just always how we wrap up the podcast is with some, some special, thoughtful questions. So, Paul, if someone made a Broadway musical based on your life, what would it be called? <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> would it have an exclamation point at the end? No, that's showing off a bit. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Molly, if you started your own country, what would you call it? Um, boy, I, I think that would... <laughs> That's a strange I'm, I'm, name. Kind of an African name. I'm going to go with Goatlandia, and simply because it would be just me and goats, and maybe my husband and no other human beings. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Wait a second. Are we all really social animals who love the company of other people here at Convergence? <laughs> I, 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 I think they're bothered by the fact that you made sure there were goats. <laughs> No, no, no. Goats are awesome. They eat anything, including all vegetation and cans and paper bags, and they're friendly and they like to headbutt each other. I don't know what you can want from anything. And you feel that your husband would blend into this community well? No, no, he's there for me. We're, we're, he's my best friend. Aww. That's so sweet. See, I learned something that it's not just hate powering you. It's not. The I lesson like of Dr. Who. There's love behind it all. Uh, Cargill, if you were a sandwich. What kind of sandwich would you be, baby? Yeah. I, there, is there any jo- is there any real joke here aside from a scrimshaw wick sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can't sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's really it's very very upsetting. I asked this question to somebody else once, and they just went ham. <laughs> And then immediately said, no, I'm serious. I've thought about it. So I, I never know. I never know. Uh, roast beef on Italian bread with jalapenos. <laughs> I like that that was said. You said that in a more sexy tone than anything else so far in the podcast. Let me, let me try that again. Jalapeno. <laughs> I really like that. The roast beef. Rolling R. That was lovely. And this you is laugh, the final... but there's at least three women here that got wet. <laughs> And two guys. <laughs> Jalapeno. And now I'm just going to leave a little empty space so I can edit that out of the podcast. And, uh, I, I think Calgo might give me indigestion. <laughs> if you ate Oh, them. I'll give you indigestion. There's a glory hole joke here somewhere. <laughs> you guys are going to have a lovely vacation in Goatlandia. <laughs> Invading with your strange sandwiches and Broadway musicals. Uh, and the final question for everyone on the pad- podcast always is, what is happiness? So, Paul, what is happiness? Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm being kind gets you happiness. I agree. May I hug you, Paul Cornell? Go on, then. If you <laughs> I love dogs, you know, very much. Uh, Molly... What is happiness? Uh, someone who understands you, even when you're the weirdest. Aw, Paul, will you hug Molly? Because I can't reach. <laughs> Cargill, what is happiness? Thursday night, midnight at the movie theater. Mm. Cargill, will you hug yourself? <laughs> Aww. We tried to end on a sweet note, but there was some tongue. Just like, just like Doctor Who is about hope and love, but the darkness always creeps in, and the Doctor is there to fight back. That is our podcast. Thank you all very much. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest Shared some stories with the rest Rate five stars if you're impressed